If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Good afternoon. This is Jerry and Brenda with Gems and Nuggets of Truth. And Brenda is going to sing, Stand Up for Jesus. Beautiful singing, Brenda. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is Jerry, and I want to. I started out with that uh, that verse of, "If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land." This comes from Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Originally, that promise was made was given to Solomon by God and that was regarding the children of Israel however that verse is very applicable today for all those who call on the Lord in repentance and truth it was on September 25th and 26th that weekend that they had the what they called the return and this was held at the um, Washington, D.C. Mall. And I'm going to come into that a little bit later, but I just wanted to kind of set the stage where I got that, and that whole weekend was based on that scripture. So let's let's look into this verse a little bit and see what it's all about. It reads, If my people, which begs the question, who are my people? Is it not those that profess to be in the community of God? At least that's what it refers to. When, when we say my wife or my family or my children or my husband, 
We are one. We belong to each other. So when God says, if my people, who are my people? God says, you are my people because you belong to me. You repented, uh, the children of Israel, whatever it is, but we belong to God. So if my people are us. The next words are, who are called by my name. Once again, who do I belong to? When I married Brenda, she gave up her previous last name to become a messenger. So she's called by my name. Therefore, when we repent and are redeemed by the blood of Christ, we are brought into the family of God and are called by His name. We are the children of the living God. We can call God our Father, or as it says in different places, Abba Father. Daddy, Father. Abba means Daddy. So that, that means Daddy, Father. We are called by His name. Now here comes a tough one. If my people call by my name shall humble themselves. A great Bible verse is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. What that means is that we humble ourselves before God. In our culture today, it would probably be something like, I'm not being a know-it-all. I'm humbling myself before God. Or something like, I'm, I'm willing to learn. I use a phrase like this, I always have my learner turned on. That's humbleness. Humbleness is, I'm not a know-it-all. I want to learn whatever I can. And I listen to people older than me, younger than me. I want to learn, especially, especially if it's about God's Word. So we need to humble ourselves in that manner. The next two words, and pray. Our way to to communicate with God is through prayer. Prayer is like having a conversation with God. You talk to Him, and then you listen. You don't do all the talking. That's a one-sided conversation. And too many times in our prayers, we get into one of those one-sided conversations. It's, I want, I need, help me do this, I need this, I need that. And sometimes what God wants to do is just say, shh, be quiet. Let me talk to you. And you know what? It's not always going to be an immediate answer. Sometimes we have to, we have to wait for the answer. But it's, it's, it's good to remind ourselves to add when we get into one of these prayers where we're asking for this, we're asking for that, is we say, thy will be done. Because God knows what is best for us. Sometimes our prayers can be a bit selfish. It's okay to tell God what you want. He knows what you need to sustain us. For example, godliness with contentment is great gain. But sometimes we want to say, man, God, I, can I, I'd like to have this, I'd like to have that, if it's according to your will. My license plate on my car is Proverbs, P-R-O-V-16-9. Proverbs 
The Bible said, A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I kind of paraphrase it to say, I'll make my plans, but God will direct my footsteps. I put that license plate in my car before I met Brenda. And um, I'm not before I met, but before we were engaged. And, and uh, I, people ask where we're going. I, I just get in the car and travel. And I would go make some plans to go here or go there. And if it, but I was always willing to listen to God. And sometimes God would say, eh, you need to turn here, you need to turn there. And he does. He talks to us like that. Don't, God is a person. God is a dad. He wants to know, he wants to give everything that's good. He wants to give it to us. A man's heart divides away, but the Lord directs his step. Jesus teaches in Luke 18.1 that men ought also always to pray and not to faint. That is, faint means to lose heart. But to stay strong in the resolve in our prayers. Sometimes we pray once and we say, well, God should answer that. Eh, not necessarily. God wants to see what our resolve is. God wants to see... Are we really serious about our prayers? The next four words are, and seek my face. Psalms 27, 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. To me, that means to meditate on His word as much as possible. Psalms 1 2 reads this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That is seeking his face. So when we seek God's face, I know the Bible says anyone that looked upon God, you, you can't look at God's face and live. But there's going to come a time when we're going to be able to stand before the Almighty God. And we're going to be able to see his face. I believe that with all my heart. But we're going to be have a new redeemed body and a, and a new redeemed mind. And so we are going to be like God in the way that we're going to be able to talk with him. <coughs> Excuse me. And turn from their, your wicked ways. Everything I've said up to this point can be summarized in this one word. Repent. That's what turn from your wicked ways mean, is to repent. Without a true repentance, everything else are just words and empty promises. If we wrong someone, we can ask for forgiveness. But a true repentance is a commitment not to do it again. See, here's the thing. If we ask someone to forgive us, and they say, yes, I'll forgive you, and we turn right around and do the same thing again, that's not a real true repentance. Repentance is resolving never to do that again. And that's what God is asking for us. <laughs> I alluded before to the weekend of uh, September 25th and 26th. And that was the weekend of return that was held on the Washington, D.C. Mall. It was a powerful weekend. Many, many speakers and prayer warriors came up and spoke. And not long, a couple of them did. They were keynote speakers. But most came up just for two, three minutes. They talked a little bit about repentance and they talked about prayer. 
two of the keynote speakers were Jonathan Kahn and Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell, as you probably, most of you know, he's started My Pillow, okay? And uh, Mike Lindell is a, a tremendous speaker. The entire theme for the weekend was for Americans and indeed for the world to, to return to God. And that's why it was called The Return. It's to return to God. It's not that God returned to us. God is always there. He's always there. All you do is reach out to Him. But it was emphasized, even though it was meant for all the world, it was emphasized for it to start in America. Much was said about repentance. One of the speakers was Pastor John Blanchard. And he said this, Repentance without reform is a repentance to be repented of. Did you get that? Repentance without reform is a repentance to be repented of. Repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind. Otherwise, it's not a repentance at all. It's just a comment. Here's a case in point. Much was said that weekend, many times over, two of the detestable sins in God's eyes are abortion and same-sex marriage. And why are those so detestable to God? There's a lot of sins that the Bible talks about that are all things that we do that are sin, okay? A murder, adultery, and so forth. But these two, I believe, are the most detestable, and here's why. Abortion. Killing life. Killing babies. I don't care how you put it. It can save pro-choice or whatever it is. It's a, for the convenience of the woman or whatever it may be. It is still murder. But the same, the same sex marriage is this. God created a man and he created a woman to get together, to marry, to populate the world. That's where same-sex marriage is totally out of the out of the game. You can't do it with same-sex marriage. And to populate the world, you got to let the babies live. That's why those two sins are really detestable to God. But we can repent for them. But are the laws going to be changed so that it's illegal to do that anymore? See, here's the thing. We can say, I repent for the 61 million babies that have been aborted. But the laws don't change to delegalize abortion or same-sex marriage. It's going to continue on. So there's got to be a change. He says that, then will I hear from heaven. You'll notice that the word is then was used. It was used after the statement, turn from your wicked, wicked ways, not before. I mean, it does not say this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. It doesn't say that. It says, turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. So we must turn from our wicked ways. And what is more wicked than the killing of innocent lives, the killing of babies, 
the 61 million that have been aborted since 1973. In fact, New York actually legalized abortion in 1970, three years before it was a law, a legalized law. And then on January 22nd, 2019, get this, January 22nd, 2019, New York passed a partial birth abortion bill. The 92 members of of the state assembly that voted for the bill stood up and clapped. That means a legal killing of babies goes on. Even if the baby is almost halfway, totally three quarters away out of the womb, they can kill it. I don't know how long God is going to allow this. Same-sex marriage is legal. Again, God created a male and female who are to leave their parents and become one with each other. This is God's way. And the list of sin goes on and on and on. And it's being legalized. More of the sin is being legalized. So this nation and indeed this world needs to come to a true repentance. And then he says in the last five words, and will forgive their sin. God is a God of grace and truth. If and when we come to a true repentance, he is going to forgive us. And even if we occasionally make a mistake, he is still there to forgive us. But his truth remains. His truth, his truth remains. See, grace and truth, grace ends when we die. And then the way we lived our life is how we're going to spend eternity. Because that's the truth. If we're not unwilling to adhere to his holy word, we will pay the price for our stubbornness and hard-heartedness. And we'll heal their land. This, I'm sorry, this is the last five words. And we'll heal their land. There's been more than a few times in American history that our land needed healing. The one that comes to mind is, is during the Civil War. And I'm sure you can think of other things that our land, land needed healing. But I believe that this is truly a time in America we need healing. And the kind of healing we, can, we need can only come from our Heavenly Father. America needs divine healing. It was in 1620 that Columbus landed three ships of pilgrims on the shores of the great country to be. A new beginning for a small contingency of people. Then in 1630, another small ship, the Arbella, whose captain was John Winthrop, who was quoted as saying, We will be a city, we will be as a city on a hill. The eyes of all the people are upon us. Meaning if the Puritans failed to uphold their covenant with God, then their sin and errors would be exposed for all the world to see. The island that John Winthrop was referring to was named Governor's Island. Governor's Island was where Logan Airport was built, which was the airport the 9-11 terrorists took off from. So you can see where we, where we have gone, from where we have started. And like many things that happen, it's gradual. It doesn't happen overnight. Isaiah 28, 10, and 13 says this, 
For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You see, it took us about 245 years to get where we're at today. 245 years. So it didn't happen overnight. I'm going to close with this. This is a part of a speech given by the then the candidate for president, Ronald Reagan. And he said this. It's not bombs and rockets, but belief and resolve. It is humility before God that is ultimately the source of America's strength as a nation. And let us resolve, they will say of our day and our generation, that we did keep the faith with our God, that we did act worthy of ourselves, that we did pass on lovingly that shining city on a hill. God bless you all. You have a great week.